This is Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. Thank you to all of you who are listening to me. I feel honored that I'm able to share my thoughts with you and that you want to listen. This is a holiday week. Holidays are complicated. I'm sure you have, like I have, Several holiday seasons that weren't so great. Some that were ultra fabulous. I never inherited much material possession from my parents. I remember meeting somebody one time who was telling me about all of her heirlooms. And I told her that I didn't have one. And she was so sad, she almost cried. She said, we should get you an heirloom. Well, that never happened. But there are books that were passed down from my parents to me. And they all have some special meaning to me. But probably the most special of all the books that were handed down in my family are the fairy tale books of Hans Christian Andersen. Have you ever seen the movie Hans Christian Andersen? I'm sure that you have either heard, read, or seen at least one of his tales, right? The Little Mermaid, Frozen is based on a Hans Christian Andersen tale the Snow Queen. These books that I have are very old. I think they were my grandparents, actually. And in them are scribbles of a child, that child being me, being the youngest one in my family. And Anderson's fairy tales in particular are very complex. I have taught them in my literature classes. At the end of his writing career, Anderson became very religious. There's a lot of Christian overtone in a lot of his later works. But even before that, the layers of complexity in his tales are many. I used to lay down in my bed, and when I could not sleep, when I was a child, I used to think about one particular character in the Anderson Tales. And I'm going to read you that story. 
because it made me grateful for whatever I had, whatever the season was giving me, whether it was something good or something bad, imagining myself as this character always brought more gratitude to me. I'm not a religious person. I don't follow the tenets of any organized religion, but I am very spiritual. And I believe in the power of transformation. And I believe that the collective unconscious of all souls focusing together can really transform many things, things beyond our imagination. And I think that the holiday season is one time when that collective unconscious can really work miracles, if I may use that term. Of course I may use that term. Many things are miraculous. It's not a religious term. So, if you don't mind, I would like to share with you two of my favorite Anderson tales. And I suggest, recommend highly, that if you can find it, you watch the Hans Christian Anderson, Hans Christian Anderson, for the correct pronunciation, uh, movie made with the inimitable Danny Kaye from the 50s to get a feeling of what Hans Christian Andersen was like and how complex a character he was, plus great music. It's a musical. I will start with this story, which is the story of the character that I just described the tool that I used to use to help me get to sleep and to help me feel gratitude. The Little Match Girl. It was late on a bitterly cold New Year's Eve. The snow was falling. A poor little girl was wandering in the dark, cold streets. She was bareheaded and barefoot. She had, of course, had slippers on when she left home, but they were not much good, for they were so huge. They had last been worn by her mother, and they fell off the poor little girl's feet when she was running across the street to avoid two carriages that were rolling rapidly by. One of the shoes could not be found at all, and the other was picked up by a boy who ran off with it, saying that it would do for a cradle when he had children of his own. So the poor little girl had to walk on with her little bare feet, which were red and blue with the cold. She carried a quantity of matches in her old apron and held a packet of them in her hand. Nobody had bought any of her during the long day, and nobody had even given her a copper. The poor little creature was hungry and perishing with cold, and she looked the picture of misery. The snowflakes fell on her long yellow hair, which curled so prettily around her face, but she paid no attention to that. Lights were shining from every window, and there was a most delicious odor of roast goose in the streets, for it was New Year's Eve. She could not forget that. She found a corner where one house projected a little beyond the next one, and here she crouched, drawing up her feet under her but she was colder than ever. 
She did not dare to go home, for she had not sold any matches and had not earned a single penny. Her father would beat her, and besides, it was almost as cold at home as it was here. They had only the roof over them, and the wind whistled through it, although they stuffed up the biggest cracks with rags and straw. Her little hands were almost stiff with cold. Oh, one little match would do some good. If she only dared, she would pull one out of the packet and strike it on the wall to warm her fingers. She pulled out one. Whoosh! How it sputtered and blazed. It burnt with a bright, clear flame, just like a little candle when she held her hand around it. Now the light seemed very strange to her. The little girl fancied that she was sitting in front of a big stove with polished brass feet and handles. There was a splendid fire burning in it and warming her so beautifully. But what happened? Just as she was stretching out her feet to warm them, the flame went out, the stove vanished, and she was left sitting with the end of a burnt match in her hand. She struck a new one. It burnt it blazed up, and where the light fell upon the wall, it became transparent, like gauze, and she could see right through it into the room. The table was spread with a snowy cloth and pretty china. A roast goose, roast goose stuffed with apples and prunes was steaming on it, and what was even better, the goose hopped from the dish with the carving knife sticking in his back and waddled across the floor. It came right up to the poor child, and then the match went out, and there was nothing to be seen but the thick black wall. She lit another match. This time she was sitting under a lovely Christmas tree. It was much bigger and more beautifully decorated than the one she had seen when she peeped through the glass doors at the rich merchant's house this very Christmas. Thousands of lighted candles gleamed under its branches, and many colored pictures, such as she had seen in the shop windows, looked down at her. The little girl stretched out both her hands towards them. Then out went the match. All the Christmas candles rose higher and higher till she saw that they were only the twinkling stars. One of them fell and made a bright streak of light across the sky. Someone is dying, thought the little girl. For her old grandmother, the only person who had ever been kind to her, used to say, when a star falls, a soul is going up to God. Now she struck another match against the wall, and this time it was her grandmother who appeared in the circle of flame. She saw her quite clearly and distinctly, looking so gentle and happy. Grandmother, cried the little creature, oh, do take me with you. I know you will vanish when the match goes out. You will vanish like the warm stove, the delicious goose, and the beautiful Christmas tree. She hastily struck a whole bundle of matches because she did so long to keep her grandmother with her. The light of the matches made it as bright as day. Grandmother had never before looked so big or so beautiful. She lifted the little girl up in her arms and they soared in a halo of light and joy 
far, far above the earth where there was no more cold, no hunger, and no pain, for they were with God. In the cold morning light, the poor little girl sat there in the corner between the houses with rosy cheeks and a smile on her face, dead, frozen to death on the last night of the old year. New Year's Day broke on the little body, still sitting with the ends of the burnout matches in her hand. She must have tried to warm herself, they said. Nobody knew what beautiful visions she had seen, nor in what a halo she had entered with her grandmother upon the glories of the new year. Turning the pages, turning the pages. This next story is called The Angel. As most of you know, I do believe in spirits. You don't have to believe in a monotheistic God to believe in angels. I love this story from my past. The angel. Whenever a good child dies, an angel of God comes down from heaven, takes the dead child in his arms, spreads out his great white wings, and flies with him over all the places which the child has loved during his life. Then he gathers a large handful of flowers, which he carries up to the Almighty, that they may bloom more brightly in heaven than they do on earth. And the Almighty presses the flowers to his heart, but he kisses the flower that pleases him best, and it receives a voice and is able to join the song of the chorus of bliss. These words were spoken by an angel of God as he carried a dead child up to heaven, and the child listened as if in a dream. Then they passed over well-known spots where the little one had often played, and through beautiful gardens full of lovely flowers. Which of these shall we take with us to heaven to be transplanted there? asked the angel. Close by grew a slender, beautiful rose bush, but some wicked hand had broken the stem, and the half-opened rosebuds hung all faded and withered on the trailing branches. Poor rose bush, said the child. Let us take it with us to heaven, that it may bloom above in God's garden. The angel took up the rose bush. Then he kissed the child, and the little one half-opened his eyes. The angel also gathered some beautiful flowers, as well as a few humble buttercups and heart's ease. Now we have flowers enough, said the child, but the angel only nodded. He did not fly upward to heaven. It was night and quite still in the great town. Here they remained, and the angel hovered over a small, narrow street in which lay a large heap of straw ashes, and sweepings from houses of people who had moved away. There lay fragments of plates, pieces of plaster, rags, old hats, and other rubbish. Amidst all of this confusion, the angel pointed to the pieces of a broken flower pot 
and to a lump of earth which had fallen out of it. The earth had been kept from falling to pieces by the roots of a withered field flower, which had been thrown amongst the rubbish. We will take this with us, said the angel. I will tell you why as we fly along. And as they flew, the angel related the history. Down in that narrow lane, in a low cellar, lived a poor sick boy. He had been afflicted from his childhood, and even in his best days, he could just manage to walk up and down the room on crutches once or twice, but no more. During some days in summer, the sunbeams would lie on the floor of the cellar for about a half an hour. In this spot, the poor sick boy would sit warming himself in the sunshine and watching the red blood through his delicate fingers as he held them before his face. Then he would say he had been out, though he knew nothing of the green forest in its spring verdure, till a neighbor's son brought him a green bough from a beech tree. This he would place over his head and fancy that he was in the beech wood while the sun shone and the birds caroled gaily. One spring day, the neighbor's boy brought him some field flowers, and among them was one to which the roots still adhered. This he carefully planted in a flower pot and placed in a window seat near his bed. And the flower had been planted by a fortunate hand, for it grew, put forth fresh shoots, and blossomed every year. It became a splendid flower garden to the sick boy, and his little treasure upon earth. He watered it and cherished it, and took care of it, should have the benefit of every sunbeam that found its way into the cellar, from the earliest morning ray to the evening sunset. The flower entwined itself, even in his dreams. For him it bloomed, for him it spread its perfume, and it gladdened his eyes, and to the flower he turned, even in death, when the Lord called him. He has been one year with God. During that time the flower has stood in the window, withered and forgotten, till cast out among the sweepings into the street on the day the lodgers moved. And this poor flower, withered and faded as it is, we have added to our nosegay because it gave more real joy than the most beautiful flower in the garden of a queen. But how do you know all this? asked the child whom the angel was carrying to heaven. I know it, said the angel, because I myself was the poor sick boy who walked upon crutches, and I know my own flower well. Then the child opened his eyes and looked into the glorious, happy face of the angel. And at the same moment, they found themselves in that heavenly home where all is happiness and joy. And God pressed the dead child to his heart, and wings were given him so that he could fly with the angel hand in hand. Then the Almighty pressed the flowers to his heart. But he kissed the withered field flower, and it received a voice. Then it joined in the song of the angels who surrounded the throne, some near and others in a distant circle, but all equally happy. 
They all joined in the chorus of praise, both great and small, the good happy child and the poor field flower that once lay withered and cast away on a heap of rubbish in a narrow dark street. Thank you for listening. Do you see or hear how both of those tales have transformation at the heart? We can all transform ourselves to have better intentions, to be more kind, to give more graciously and generously. I'm hoping that you reflect on your days of the last year, which have been difficult for many, and think about how you can transform yourself and then the world into a better place. Happy holidays in whatever way you celebrate it or don't. Thank you for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever